back in the Southern Saddle for another day of conversation about what's going on across the 16 southern states. Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, Missouri, North Carolina, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, Virginia, and last but not least, West Virginia. John Rawl is my name. I'm the general of the South, and we put a little South in your mouth each and every time we get together here on this show that is all Southern. We've got news. We've got sports. We've got political news on today's Y'all Show. We've got a little bit of everything, and we appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to be with us. If you want to get involved, you can text us. We have a 24-hour-a-day text line, 615-208-4184, 615-208-4184. That's the way to reach us anytime you want to, as we have wonderful listeners of this program on our great radio stations that carry the y'all show and then we don't want to leave out those of you who catch us each and every day in podcast form as this show is heard absolutely free in podcast platforms like spotify we're on the iHeartRadio app the tune in app we're on apple podcast and we're in apple itunes you can also find this show free of charge at y'all.com the south's homepage. simply go there and look for Y'all, and you will see us. We are right available, red and black logo. You, you can't miss us. We are glad that you could be with us. Again, today we got a busy show. We're going to have news headlines from across the southeast, an update on that potential Trump versus Georgia case, the political issue that he's been dealing with there with Fonnie, the lady, the attorney there in Fulton County, Georgia. Fonnie Willis, I think, is her last name. We'll have information on that Plus, we'll also tell you about how a young Southerner bit a would-be attacker in the state of Florida. What a great story from a six-year-old keeping a kidnapper away by using, well, not just their head, but their mouth. And we'll give you that information from Miami and our headlines across the Southeast today. Plus, Clemson University has decided to ban TikTok on all campus networks. Way to go, Clemson. Might be the best decision they've ever made. Better than hiring Dabo Sweeney as a football coach. At least that's what all the other colleges around the South are are hoping for. <laughs> that guy's been a thorn in most people's side for sure. I, I would, if you're a Clemson fan, I'd say that's been a pretty big, pretty good hire and a big one too. Also, we'll tell you about Hallmark, the Hallmark Channel. Oh, the channel you know for all the silly love stories and, and such. They've got a, a new movie already kind of being teased called A Biltmore Christmas. And I'm going to tell you more about that. And I'm going to tell you more about the Biltmore Estate, the historic museum in Asheville, North Carolina. I'll give you more info on this in our news headlines of today. Then when we move over to our sports headlines today, we've got an update from the All-Star Game that will be taking place this evening in Seattle. American versus National League there in the Midsummer Classic. An update on the Home Run Derby that was held Monday night. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. wins that one. I'll tell you exactly how he pulled that off. The first father-son winners of the Home Run Derby as a result of Tuesday, or rather Monday's Home Run Derby. We'll have info on that. Plus, we have the funeral details now coming in for the former Tennessee Vol player, turned basketball coach as we'll let you know more about the arrangement set for Nikki McCray Pinson and we'll find out where the services and more 
about this women's basketball Hall of Famer who died last week at the age of 51. She had been the head coach at Old Dominion and at Mississippi State. So we'll fill you in on the details on that in our news and sports headlines of today. Plus, Tim Tebow, the minor league hockey owner. I've got information about that. And the son of the Jacksonville Jaguars head coach, Josh Peterson, has signed a contract with his daddy. Is he going to actually be a Jacksonville Jaguar, Josh Peterson? It, it appears that he might. Plus, we've got a big firing in college football overnight. I'll let you know about that. I kind of teased about it on the Monday show. It has happened. News out of the Big Ten. I'll tell you about that. Plus, we've got the complete lineup of the players attending next week's SEC Media Days in Nashville. We discussed coaches and more and their schedule that will be taking place next week. But I've got the list of players. If you want to get to Nashville and maybe get a glimpse of some of these great players, you listen to our sports report coming up, and I'll fill you in. Also, in this opening hour of the Y'all Show, we've got a Southern political report. A new challenger to Ted Cruz in the state of Texas we'll tell you about as a Democrat has just filed paperwork to run against Cruz in the Lone Star State. Plus, we've got also national political stories that we'll be sharing as part of our political report of today's Y'all Show. And in that fun of talking about national political stuff, I'm going to let you know about how the reporter for Axios is revealing what Joe Biden is like in private. If I can pull that video up, I'm going to play that report that was aired this week. Plus, President Biden Monday was over in England and will continue, I guess, to stay there in that area for a while as he was on Monday meeting King Charles III. First time since the the king was coronated earlier in the year. Biden there at uh, one of those fancy places, not Biltmore Estate, but one of those other places over there. And some great visuals. I don't know what they were talking about. Also, Tommy Tuberville, the former Mississippi and Auburn coach and Texas Tech coach. Don't want to leave that out. Cincinnati, too. He's in the news because he's helping to block the promotion of a bunch of military people. And we'll, he'll, he's going to explain as he was on CNN Monday night being interviewed by his fellow Alabamian, Caitlin Collins, on CNN. And we'll tell you about that conversation and what coach coach and he, he called himself coach during the interview so i'm going to call him coach tuberville instead of senator tuberville what coach tommy tuberville's got going on in washington dc and his strategy there all that in our political report of today's y'all show hour two today we've got our book report we've got the top reads from both new york times and amazon's list that we'll share with you in our book report we've got entertainment headlines to pass along today as well including some brad pitt news the Oklahoma-born actor who graduated from Mizzou, 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 Missouri. I wonder if he goes around saying M-I-Z-O-U M-I-Z-Z-O-U a lot there and is wherever he's living these days. But he is now being accused of looting Brad Pitt. Yes, I'm going to give you the latest on that. Plus, Aretha Franklin's family is going to court in an estate battle. I'll fill you in on all the headlines there. Plus, Jamie Foxx, the Texas actor, spotted publicly for the first time since hospitalization. We'll fill you in on that headline. Plus, the Eagles. Oh, Don Henley and company have announced their retirement and their 
final tour. I'll let you know about that headline. Plus, it's the 60th anniversary, speaking of great bands, 60th anniversary this year of the band Exile. And it's been 45 years since they had that song, I Want to Kiss You All Over. We'll tell you about Exile out of Lexington, Kentucky is where they're based. Plus, Luke Combs atop the charts with an old familiar song if you've been listening to music over the last 50 years as he's taken a Tracy Chapman song to the top of the country music chart. A story out of Grady County in Oklahoma. A deputy killed in a single vehicle motorcycle crash Sunday evening. Deputy Chase Stinson killed, according to a release from the Grady County, Oklahoma Sheriff's Office. Stinson worked with the office for about two years. He originally worked for the Blanchard, Oklahoma Police Department. He was assigned to the school resource as a school resource officer for Bridge Creek Public Schools. Again, out of Oklahoma, an officer there killed in a motorcycle crash over the weekend, Deputy Chase Stinson. A brave six-year-old in the state of Florida, she bit someone who was trying to kidnap her. And now the suspect behind bars after he was absolutely schooled by this six-year-old girl. Police called to an apartment complex in Miami where a suspect tried to un- tried to get this six-year-old at a playground. She was there with other siblings when a white Range Rover Velvar came into the ap- apartment complex. And this guy, I assume it's a guy, yeah, Leonardo Venegas, 32-year-old, grabbed the girl who was out in the playground, grabbed her by the arm, tried to pull her away, and the girl began to bite. The girl dug her teeth into his arm, causing him to drop her, and then the man slapped her and ran back to his car. But now he's under arrest. So it's okay to use your teeth if you're about to be kidnapped. And how about this six-year-old Miami girl saving herself by biting a bad guy with her hopefully beautiful teeth. And if it's not, there ought to be some dentist in Miami who will take her under their wing and make her have an even better biting weapon out of her mouth. Hey, you you got to do what you got to do. And I'm just glad at six years old, this young lady had the wherewithal to get this guy out of there. And now he's arrested. Thank goodness. To the upstate of South Carolina we go, and Clemson University has announced plans to ban TikTok on its entire campus network. The university, with a campus-wide message distributed last week, said that this week's network access is going to change. TikTok will no longer be accessible through the campus network, both wired and edurome Wi-Fi. All this started on Monday, July 10th. This is in order to, quote, integrity of information and resources connected to the Clemson network. Faculty, staff, students, and visitors with personal devices may still access the application on their private carrier data networks. But if you're using the campus network, no TikTok. Now, this may be fairly common throughout the South. I have not heard of it. So, therefore, that's why I'm filling you in on what Clemson University is doing. They're not just winning a few championships on the football field and women's golf course, etc. They're winning it in the social media anti-China 
Communist Party platform of TikTok. <laughs> Good job, Clemson University. And that wraps up some of our news headlines for this opening hour of the Y'all Show. When we come back, we will give you the update on sports, a home run derby champion that's got a name that sounds familiar if you're a baseball fan. Plus, we've got a listing of some of the SEC players that will be at the SEC Media Days next week in Nash, Vegas. All that is coming right up on the Y'all Show. you hairy dogs you're the national champions two times over and it's going to be a national championship coronation for a third time perhaps just might be hello i'm john roll welcome back this is the y'all show and all you dog fans you might want to make your way to nashville tennessee next week it's the sec media days and georgia tight end brock bowers will be among the top dogs at SEC Media Days. Here in this segment, we're going to walk you through some of the SEC Media Days attendees as well as other sports happenings in this Southern Sports Blast of our opening hour of the Y'all Show. And sure enough, for the first time ever, the SEC Media Days will be in Nashville. Normally, this is held at the Galleria there in Hoover, just outside of Birmingham. It has moved to Atlanta in recent years for at least a I think it's been two times they've had it there at the College Football Hall of Fame. But now it's going to Nashville, in downtown Nashville. And this is going to be, I think, a much easier place for fans to take a peek at some of their favorite SEC players and coaches. I will say, and I've attended SEC Media Days many times in Atlanta, in, in Birmingham. I've not been to those in Atlanta. The ones in, 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 in Birmingham there at the Galleria, the shopping mall, were easy. Those were easy to go to, and they were fun. I, I've enjoyed my time covering SEC Media Days. But from a fan perspective, unless you were able to sneak over there to a certain section of the hotel area, you weren't getting much of a chance to interact with some of these players and coaches, especially the ones that flew in from a long way away. Normally, in at least Birmingham, where this was held, it was dominated by your Alabama and a little bit of your Auburn fans coming out to see their favorite Tide or War Eagle players. And there were other teams, of course, that did have their fans represented, but it was still not overly fan-friendly, the events in Birmingham. I hope they've, at least in Nashville, made this a much more fan-friendly event and a chance for you to see these people because a lot of times what happens is on media days the individual schools will fly in I guess this is the one exception and this event might be Vanderbilt since they're in Nashville but the other 13 teams are going to be flying into Nashville usually they do that day of they come in they do a bunch of TV interviews they come in and they go to the podium they do a few other goofy things they do a few interviews on Radio Row, and then six six hours after they've 
arrived in the SEC Media Day event, they're out of there. And then they're flying back to their college that they came from. So if you're a fan, unless you can somehow sneak a quick photo of them walking to one of those other appearances, you don't really have a chance to interact with these players. Maybe that's the way the SEC wants it. But I think the SEC, because they seem to just always be one step ahead of everybody else, I think they really do want to make this more of a a spectacle. They've got all this coverage on the SEC network schedule, and I think it's going to be a fun event in Nashville. I think they'll they got a brand new location at the hotel there. I think it's a Hilton in downtown Nashville. This is going to be based on right off of Broadway, and it ought to be a lot of fun for fans in a very fun place anyway, right there in Music City. So here are the players that will be accompanying their head coach to SEC Media Days. So if you do want to go to Nashville and get a photo of some of these great players, here will be those attending Media Days 2023. For LSU, which will be at the podium on Monday, they've got quarterback Jaden Daniels, Josh Williams, the running back, and Mikai Wingo, the defensive tackle. All will be representing the Bayou Bengals, as well as head coach Brian Kelly there on Monday. Also Monday, Mizzou's got defensive back Chris Drain, offensive lineman Javon Foster, Darius Robinson, and Coach Drinkwitz. The Aggies of Texas A&M Monday we're going to have coming over from College Station, Fadil Diggs, a defensive lineman. They've got defensive lineman McKinley Jackson, wide receiver Anias Smith, who's a, a senior wide receiver, and then Coach Jimbo Fisher of the Aggies will all be in Nashville on Monday. When Tuesday arrives, the deal's going to be good for Auburn because Luke Deal, the tight end, is going to be representing the Orange and Navy. Elijah McAllister, linebacker for Auburn, will be there. He's a senior. He'll be there for Auburn and head coach Hugh Freeze, who will be attending his first media days as the Auburn coach. And then for Auburn on Tuesday, Cameron Stutz, the offensive lineman, will be representing AU. Those national champion dogs that we told you about, not only is Brock Bowers going to be there, but he's going to be joined by his fellow champions in Kamari Lassiter, a defensive back, as well as a junior Cedric Van Praan, the offensive lineman, Coach Kirby Smart, also with those dogs Tuesday. Another pack of dogs will be at the podium on Tuesday. And if you're in Nashville, you might be able to take a glimpse of Mississippi State defensive tackle Jaden Cremini, as well as Jaquavius Marks, the running back for the dogs. And how about this? The Mississippi kid, quarterback, and now a senior for the dogs, Will Rogers. And those three MSU players will be joining the new coach, Zach Arnett, who's taken over for the late Mike Leach in Stark Vegas. Vanderbilt, the hometown team, is going to have linebacker Ethan Barr, as well as Jaden Mahoney and Will Shepard, the wide receiver, join Clark Lee there at the Hilton in downtown Nashville. We now move to Wednesday, July 19th at SEC Media Days, and attending for the University of Alabama, offensive lineman J.C. Latham, defensive back, I love this guy's name, Kool-Aid McKinstry. Yeah, Kool-Aid's going to be there at the podium Wednesday, July 19th, and you might be able to take a sip with Kool-Aid if you're in Nashville. Also for Nick Saban, who will be there, he'll be bringing along linebacker Dallas Turner during Alabama's time to shine on Wednesday. The Hogs of Arkansas will have defensive end Landon Jackson, quarterback K.J. Jefferson, the 
what is he, a North Panola, Mississippi alum, and now a senior for the Razorbacks. K.J. Jefferson will be at the podium in Nashville, as well as running back Raheem Sanders. Sam Pittman will be escorting these three guys throughout Music City on Wednesday. Also Wednesday, you've got offensive lineman Kinsley Ekukon of the University of Florida. He'll be there representing the Gators, as well as junior defensive back Jason Marshall Jr. and wide receiver Ricky Pearsall. Billy Napier in season number two will be in Nashville on Wednesday with these three fellas. Mark Stoops and the Kentucky Wildcats will be at the podium on Wednesday. And Coach Stoops, who's got to replace his quarterback as his guy went on to the NFL, he won't be bringing a quarterback to Nashville on Thursday or Wednesdays when UK's there, but he will be bringing a couple of good linemen. He's got offensive lineman Eli Cox set to join him in Nashville and defensive lineman Octavius Octendine, as well as linebacker J.J. Weaver will be there representing the Kentucky Wildcats at SEC Media Days. We move now to Thursday, and Mississippi and Lane Kiffin will be right there on Music Row, sort of. They've got coming in from Oxford defensive end senior Cedric Johnson, running back Quinshawn Judkins, the sophomore. I think he's the one that transferred from TCU. He'll be there as well as cornerback DeAndre Prince, representing the red and blue of the U.M. Landshark Rebel Black Bears. On Thursday, also you've got coming over from Columbia SC, Coach Shane Beamer and the Fighting Gamecocks. And representing South Carolina at the podium will be defensive lineman and a senior, Tonka Hemingway. The punter, how about this? Kai Kruger will be representing the Gamecocks there at the podium. The only punter that I've listed off thus far. Of course, Beamer Ball is a big deal for the Fighting Gamecocks. And then the second-year player for Gamecock Nation, the transfer from Oklahoma, the guy that was once supposed to be a Heisman Trophy contender, Spencer Rattler will be at the podium. He's a senior in Columbia, South Carolina this fall, and Rattler will be representing the Gamecocks at SEC Media Days. The Tennessee Vols kind of close things out Thursday, and Coach Josh Heupel will be rolling in from Knoxville with a couple of great players for the Big Orange. Those players include quarterback Joe Milton III, the senior, as well as Amari Thomas, the defensive lineman that's a senior, and another senior, tight end Jacob Warren. And those are the many, many players representing their different SEC schools attending next week's SEC Media Days that will be held in downtown Nashville. A big story breaking on Monday. Northwestern University has fired Coach Pat Fitzgerald amid allegations of widespread hazing within the football program. The university president wrote an open letter to the school community saying, quote, the head coach is ultimately responsible for the culture of his team. The hazing we investigated was widespread and clearly not a secret within the program, providing Coach Fitzgerald with the opportunity to learn what was happening. Either way, the culture in Northwestern football, while incredible in some ways, was broken in others. So you've got a change of a longtime coach as the 48-year-old Pat Fitzgerald had been head coach at Northwestern for more than a decade. I'm thinking it's been close to 20 years now. Remember Northwestern had a coach die on the job, and I think that's when Northwestern went to Fitzgerald, who was an assistant and a former Northwestern player, to take over. Northwestern has named David Braun as 
acting coach of the Wildcats. But again, a real, real ugly scar for the legacy of Pat Fitzgerald, which if you follow football at all, you know that Northwestern generally comes out and gives you a fight. Northwestern, this academic Big Ten school, in his 17 years, I knew it was close to 20 years, 17 seasons in Evanston went 110 and 101. So he had a winning record and is considered to be by far the most successful football coach in Northwestern's history. He's already been inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame. He was inducted back in 2008. And he spent 26 seasons in this Chicago area school as both a player and assistant and 17 years as head coach now because of hazing. Similar to what happened to Mike Leach when he was at Texas Tech. Pat Fitzgerald, although extremely successful, now shown the door because of hazing claims within his program. We will definitely keep you up to date on any developments in this case. And lastly, in our headlines across the South here today of the sports world, we want to let you know that funeral arrangements have now been set for former University of Tennessee women's basketball star Nikki McRae, who went on to be a head basketball coach at Old Dominion, later at Mississippi State. She was an assistant at South Carolina when Dawn Staley was getting that program going. She's a women's basketball Hall of Famer. She played her high school ball for the Dragons of Collierville High School in the Memphis area. She was a member of Team USA, and she played in the WNBA as well. And she died last week at the age of 51. The funeral services for Nikki McRae Pinson will be held this coming Saturday at Mount Olive Baptist Church in Knoxville. Visitation is at 1 o'clock p.m. Loved ones ask that in lieu of flowers, donations can be made to the K. Yao Fund. Again, last week we lost this Olympian and University of Tennessee Vol, Lady Vol great, Nikki McRae Pinson, who went on to be a coach 51 years old we lost her last week and that's this service set for Saturday in Knoxville, Tennessee one other thing real quick it's the All-Star Game tonight tune in and see that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. won the Home Run Derby on Monday night in Seattle huge, huge job by him and uh, evidently he was not in it for with uh, he was not been in this thing for a couple of years. I think four years he's been away from this. But what a job he did there! And uh, his dad, Vladimir Guerrero Senior, won the home run derby 16 years ago. So they become the first father-son winners of this event, and lots of homers, lots of dingers in this derby. And again, the thing that matters is the All-Star Game. Yeah, it kind of matters. It's not the world's biggest game, come to think of it. But that's tonight. For all you baseball fans. That's the Southern Sports update here for this Tuesday. When we come back on the Y'all Show, we're going to switch over and tell you about the sport of politics. We've got some polling numbers, another goings-on in that crazy field. When the Y'all Show comes right back.
the morning Up from San Antonio Everything that I got Is just what I've got on When that sun is high in that Texas sky I'll be bucking at the county fair Amarillo by morning Amarillo, I'll be there well, thank you, George. Welcome back. It is y'all time now for a little political talk. And George's state of Texas has got some political happenings that I'll tell you about in a second. But hey, let's tell you about the latest political poll averages, if you will. And Real Clear Politics does a great job of keeping up with the national polling and such. And so, looking at their latest polls from Real Clear Politics, Trump with a 53 to 21 percentage lead over Ron DeSantis in the Republican poll average. And then you've got Mike Pence coming in at 6.1, Nikki Haley at 3.6. I'm not sure how she's even got that. But that's where we are on the Republicans. So Trump with more than double of what DeSantis has. In Iowa, Trump's got a 47 to 23 lead over DeSantis there. And in New Hampshire, 44 to 17 over DeSantis there. Chris Christie's actually coming in in third place in the polling in New Hampshire with a 4.7 mark. As far as Democrats go, Joe Biden with a 64 percentile polling average over nearly a 15 percentage polling for Robert Kennedy Jr. That in the Real Clear Politics party breakdown. In terms of a general election matchup right now, Trump is besting Joe Biden 44.1 to 43.5. And even when you look at Biden versus DeSantis, Biden is actually on top of DeSantis in the latest polls. That's a little surprising to me. I thought DeSantis would be your surefire winner just because he was a Trump. And then they've even got a matchup at Real Clear Politics of a possible Trump versus Kamala Harris matchup, and he's besting her by three percentage points 46 to 43 so that's a kind of guess of political happenings from realclearpolitics.com let's talk about joe biden y'all and a reporter for axios alex thompson went on cnn on monday to talk to laura coates in her primetime show and he went on there to talk about joe biden and his altitude why is he getting all high no he went actually to talk about his attitude and his propensity to yell at reporters and just just to get mad. He's got outburst, according, again, to Alex Thompson of the website Axios.com. Let's play a portion of that interview that he did on CNN. Again, this is him with CNN's Laura Coates in her primetime show on CNN. Yeah, so, you know, in public, maybe he'll whisper a bit when he's trying to make a point, but Behind closed doors, he's prone to yelling. It's much saltier language. And he'll really angrily grill into his staff to the point that some staffers are actually a bit afraid to meet alone with the president. Really? Sometimes they'll bring in an extra person or two in order so that the firing line is a little bit distributed among several different staffers. This runs really counter to the image that most people, I think, would have of President Biden. How are we knowing this? I mean, how do you get the reporting? Who is who's complaining about this? Is this current? Former staff? Who? Both. Current, former, and by former, I mean former White House staff, current White House and administration staff, 
Plus, you even have people going back. You know, we we uh, had a headline today. We we called it "Old Yeller," uh, but I can confirm to you that Joe Biden was a young yeller too. Ooh. And uh, so we even talked to staff that went back to the early 2000s. And the fact is that you know this is a guy that has been professionally staffed for more than half of his life, and he's had a long life. So it's been over 50 years where he's had people staffing him, and as a result, there's a generational difference too. You know, he's really, really tough on staff. And he already had that, as he calls, you know, get his Irish up. He already had that Irish temper. And he'll really lay into people and, in some cases, you know, make them feel humiliated, make them feel embarrassed, and really feel like and, and truly be cussed out. All right. That is Alex Thompson of the website Axios being interviewed by Laura Coates on CNN Primetime Monday night. Old Yeller, the name of this article. You might want to check it out pretty amazing stuff to hear about joe biden you know you didn't hear anything negative of him about uh his attitude and how he treated people prior to that 2020 election isn't that strange sounds like the president might need to go off to some anger management classes what you think y'all gonna sign him up for that more biden information to pass along to you here on this political report of the south biden on monday i don't know if he got angry at king charles the third but surely he didn't as Biden met with the crown leader of Great Britain. First time that he and King Charles got together since the monarch's coronation. They met at Windsor Castle. You might have seen the videos. Beautiful setting there in jolly old England. It was the second trip Biden has made to Windsor Castle since taking office before he met the king's late mother, Queen Elizabeth II. The Queen met 12 presidents during her reign. She met every president but during her reign but Lyndon Baines Johnson. Hmm. But Biden now going to be with NATO leaders after this time with the monarchy at Windsor on Monday. Tommy Tuberville, he was on CNN Monday night. He was with his fellow Alabamian Caitlin Collins in her primetime show there at CNN. And the former football coach turned senator is making the U.S. Marine Corps a little bit upset. Tommy Turbeville is holding up some of the promotions and stuff. And we've seen the Marine Corps Commandant David Berger relinquish command Monday. And as a result of his relinquishing this command and Tommy Turbeville pushing for no promotions, kind of putting a ban on promotions... The Marine Corps doesn't have an actual commandant right now for the first time in at least 100 years, I think the count was. And it's a little bit of a political play by the former football coach. And a lot of members of his own party aren't exactly happy about what Tommy Tuberville, the Alabama U.S. Senator, is doing. He told Collins Monday that the only power we have is to put a hold on something. And that's what he is doing in Washington, D.C. So we'll find out what's going on about the promotion of these military officials as Tommy Turbeville is trying to hold back confirmations. It's amazing that one person can have this much authority, but that appears to be the case. And we will find out if these more than 200 nominations get passed through soon. Tommy Turbeville doing his dangness to keep them from happening in a little squabble going on political-wise in Washington, D.C. And lastly, in our headlines of political stories of the day, 
Roland Gutierrez is going to be a Democratic challenger to Ted Cruz as the election for 2024 for U.S. Senate in Texas is getting ready to square off. And Roland Gutierrez, who's made a face across Texas for his output and his statements on the Uvalde, Texas school shooting, he's a state senator in Texas, and he's been one of the most prominent faces of the Uvalde shooting. And I've seen him interviewed a lot. I kind of thought there might be something to this. But he put out a statement saying, I'm running for the U.S. Senate to fight back against the systems that have left so many Texans behind. Ted Cruz abandoned Texas long ago before he left us to die in the winter storm. Uvalde happened because Republicans neglected the systems in this state that we are supposed to keep. Again, a challenger to Ted Cruz in Texas already. At least there may be others, but on Monday, Democratic state political official Roland Gutierrez announcing he's going to try to unseat Ted Cruz in that 2024 election. That's our Southern Political Report for this opening hour of the Y'all Show. We'll come back and close this hour up on the show that shakes the Southland. We are y'all. We have wrapped up this first hour of the Y'all Show. Hang on. More of the conversation about what goes on in the South is coming right up with hour number two and hour number three of the Y'all Show. Stay tuned. One five two zero eight forty one eighty four. That's the way to text us anytime here at the Y'all Show. Six one five two zero eight forty one eighty four. Twenty four hours a day, you can text us with questions, comments, criticism. We'll take it all right here on the show that shakes the Southland. We are y'all, y'all. John Rawl, the General of All Things Southern. Good to have you back here on what looks like it's going to be a great day across the southeast. We've got our headlines of news stories here packaged for this second hour of our Y'all conversation. We also have coming up in the Y'all show for this second hour, our Southern Book Report. We've got the top reads from both the New York Times and Amazon's list that we'll be sharing with you. Our weekly look at what people are reading. That's coming up here in a few minutes. Plus, we also have entertainment headlines. Got information coming out about Brad Pitt. The Oklahoma actor will tell you about what's going on with good old Brad and then some country music news and notes plus some big news out of the Eagles. Not the ones in Philadelphia, but the band, you know, Glenn Fry, the Don Henley band, etc., etc. 
Yeah, Eagles news that we'll be sharing with you in our entertainment headlines of the day. All that right here in our second hour. You can listen to the Y'all Show on awesome radio stations, but you can also find us in podcast form as we're available on Spotify. We're on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn app. We're also at Apple Podcasts and in Apple iTunes. All free of charge to find us. You just search Y'all Show. That's Y apostrophe A-L-L space S-H-O-W. And you'll find it right there at all of those different podcast outputs. Plus, we're also at y'all.com, the South's homepage. You can go there and find so many great articles about the South, some helpful stuff, some fun stuff. And I'm going to have to be adding a few things up there myself here in a couple of days, something that ties into this show. So we're going to have all that right there at y'all.com, the South's homepage. And you can find a whole section of y'all.com devoted to this the y'all show so if you get a chance check it out all right let's dive into today's news headlines as we get this tuesday show hour two underway and our first big story nationwide is what's going on with donald trump as a grand jury is looking today at potential indictments and a grand jury is going to be selected in atlanta today this has all got to do with the 2020 election where Trump, some weeks after the election, made a phone call to Brad Raffensperger, the Georgia Secretary of State, in early 2021 and told Raffensperger that he wanted help to find 11,780 votes, which would be just enough to get past Joe Biden. A two-and-a-half-year investigation has been looking at all kinds of allegations about Trump, also looking at Trump associates like Rudy Giuliani. Remember, Lindsey Graham's involved in this case, too. It's also been looking at phone calls that Trump and others have made to Georgia election officials in the weeks after the 2020 election, and then the multitude of unfounded allegations of widespread election fraud made to Georgia lawmakers. I have looked at this for a while now, and I've, I've, I saw one time, I saw this on Newsmax when it happened. I can't imagine this is something made up. But there was a one, a guy who was a congressman, I believe he is a congressman from the Athens, Georgia. He was He's a doctor-turned-congressman. I need to remember his name. He was in office about eight years ago. And he ended up being sort of the chairman of a Trump-affiliated movement to show that there was indeed election interference in Georgia in the 2020 election and that there's no way that Trump could have lost the election. And all I ever see is all of this is unfounded on all this unfounded. I'm just telling you, one day, it was about eight months ago, maybe, when I saw this, I saw a press conference in Atlanta held by this former congressman who was a doctor. I can't imagine the guy's a, a dummy. And he had been part of a commission to look into specifically Fulton County and its election fraud. 
and he put out a compelling case. I'm sure it's on YouTube, whatever I saw, but the only network that gave it any attention at the time was, I, I think it was Newsmax. It could have been One America News OAN before they got kicked off of DirecTV. Maybe they were kicked off because they were out there running this press conference. Maybe some people would say they're kicked off because what they were doing was complete nonsense lies or maybe they were telling the truth and nobody wants to hear the truth it depends on how you feel but this congressional guy had a compelling compelling thing that had all kinds of documents and spreadsheets and data on voting that the the numbers that Fulton County had in 2020 just did not did not add up and I I was convinced. I was absolutely convinced watching that. But again, I never heard anything more about it. I promise you, I had not I did not hear anything besides this one press conference about how this thing went to, went down before. I can't come up with the congressman's name, but I know he was from Athens, Georgia in a district that went toward Augusta. Pretty pretty sure on that. Look it up sometime if you get a chance. But today, I don't know if that evidence that I saw on TV is going to be brought out in the case of the grand jury today, but Fulton County DA Fonnie Willis, who's been investigating Trump since shortly after the call to Raffensperger, she's got a grand jury being seated today in the Georgia State Capitol, and it will consider whether criminal charges are appropriate for President Donald Trump or any of his Republican allies. I would say they're going to come up with something. I would say they're going to come up with something. Remember, we had that foreman of the grand jury get on TV a couple of months ago, and it really did not help the DA's case because <laughs> she she really enjoyed being in the spotlight at the time she was about a 28 year old woman that in a in a case that just keeps having twists and turns that was a turn that i did not expect when i've already forgot her name but for about two days there she was all over tv and let's just say she didn't really make us look too smart as a as a region and she probably helped Trump, in my opinion, if you saw that interview. But that's going on today. Grand jury looking into Trump. Trump legal woes part 34 going on today. Now to Oklahoma. Grady County, Oklahoma Sheriff's Deputy Chase Stinson killed in a motorcycle crash Sunday. Deputy Stinson worked with the office for about two years. He previously worked for the Blanchard, Oklahoma Police Department. He was assigned as a school resource officer for Bridge Creek Public Schools. Again, in Grady County in Oklahoma, a deputy killed in a motorcycle crash over the weekend. Our thoughts with his family. A six-year-old girl in Florida was in the process of being kidnapped when she put her mouth to work. And this six-year-old playing on the playground with her siblings when a Range Rover parked near their apartment and a guy got out tried to grab her by the arm 
And the 32-year-old man, Leonardo Venegas, got quite a surprise because the six-year-old girl, as she was being carried away, decided to fight back. She put her teeth into his arm. He dropped her and then slapped her and ran back to his car. Ultimately, he would be arrested, thank goodness. So if you're a little one out there listening to us, don't be afraid to fight back. We, we want you to fight back. Bite them. Bite them on the arm. If you've got a good enough kick, kick them where it counts, which is up there in his middle section, if someone's going to do something bad to you. But the good news is this man, because of his SUV being able to be tracked, they were able to get him and arrest him on charges of kidnapping and child abuse. So that's great news. But anyone with information about this case, if they happen to be there, you can call that local Crime Stoppers office, 305-471-8477. But a six-year-old girl saving herself because she got smart and used her teeth. Way to go, little lady. Have you seen a Hallmark movie lately? If you haven't, you got one you want to check out in the near future. Hallmark, with about six months now till Christmas. Merry Christmas early to you, y'all. Hallmark is already counting down to Christmas. July 1st, Hallmark and Biltmore out of North Carolina shared a trailer, a teaser trailer, for a movie called A Biltmore Christmas. And that's going to air in November. The movie, which incorporates Biltmore Mansion's history, features a love story that takes place across multiple time periods. The movie stars Bethany Joy Lenz and Christopher Palaya. A Biltmore Christmas coming soon to the Hallmark Channel. <laughs> now, I don't want to talk about the Hallmark Channel, but I do want to talk about Biltmore Estate. If you've not been there, this is an incredible place in the Asheville, North Carolina area. The main residence was built for George Washington Vanderbilt II, built between 1889 and 1895. That's a six-year building process. It is the largest privately owned house in America at 178,926 square feet. And it's actually still owned by descendants of George Vanderbilt. It's one of the most prominent examples of Gilded Age mansions in the world, Biltmore Estate. And one of George Vanderbilt's descendants would be Anderson Cooper of CNN. You reckon Anderson's got a private room there in the estate that he can go visit sometime? I would... I would think so. But Biltmore, just outside of Asheville, North Carolina. Biltmore.com is the website for you to learn much more about this huge mansion. I guess it's the largest private mansion in America. It's amazing that a place that big doesn't have good Wi-Fi. I just don't understand it. But if you get a chance, go there sometime. Right off of Interstate 40, right off of Interstate 26. You'll find it in western North Carolina. And lastly in our headlines, also in North Carolina, I want to let you know about how one person in North Carolina is fighting back against stupid drivers. They took it to the back of their truck, literally, with some markers. In an effort to promote highway safety, the North Carolina Department of Transportation put this picture that was out on social media out for everybody to see. And it's a photo of this pickup truck's tailgate that someone decorated with safety messages. And if you see the photo, the guy's got on the back of his Ram pickup truck 
a big arrow pointing to the left that says passing lane and a big arrow pointing to the right called the cruising lane and reminding people to use their darn blinkers. You know, truck, I have a confession. I don't always use my blinkers like I'm supposed to. I'm trying to save energy and not use those blinkers. But no, it's, it's a safety thing and you should use blinkers. And this driver taking it into their own hands and on their own social media account to promote if you're going to drive at least pass and cruise safely by using the correct lanes and north carolina's department of transportation not afraid to promote good driving even though it's a bad paint job on this ram pick em up pick em up truck coming out of north carolina and that's a look at some of our news headlines for this Tuesday y'all show when we come back on y'all we're going to switch over and tell you a little bit about what's going on in the world of book sales across the southeast we've got the number one books on both the New York Times bestsellers list and we've got the Amazon top reads all that is coming right up as the y'all show Tuesday edition continues Till my 18th year We met four springs ago She was shy and had a fear Of things she did not know But we got it all together In such a super way We held each other close at night And traded dreams each day She said, Rocky, I've never been in love before it up to classes in the day painting walls and sipping wine sleeping on the floor with so much love with just two soon we found there'd be one more and she said rocky i've never had a baby before don't know if i can do it but if you let me lean on you take my hand from 1975 that was a number one song for memphis native dickie lee here on the y'all show glad to play that song dickie lee had two big songs on the charts that one right there which was a chart topper, and then another song got all the way up to number three, didn't quite get to number one. 9,999,999 tears. Y'all remember that one? I wouldn't have to, I would not want to have to repeat that song over and over if, as a DJ, and luckily 
back in 76 when that was out on the radio. I wasn't a DJ. Dickie Lee music for you. I bet you you haven't heard that former Sun Records artist in a bit, but glad to play Dickie music for you here on the Y'all Show. Let's get into from music talk to book talk here. This is our Southern Book Report on the Y'all Show for this Tuesday edition. And let's take a look at the New York Times bestsellers list. What's going on on the NYT list? Who's number one? Who's new? Who is just tearing it up right now? And we've got a brand new book that's number one on the New York Times combined print and ebook fiction list. It's from Colleen Hoover, her brand new book called Too Late. Dangers develop when a drug trafficker becomes obsessed with a woman who has a mutual attraction to a DEA agent. Colleen Hoover's new book, Too Late, is atop the New York Times combined print and ebook fiction list. This book's been out just over two months. It's number two on the list. Fourth Wing from Rebecca Yaros. Violet Sorengale is urged by the commanding general, who is also her mother, to become a candidate for the elite dragon riders. Fourth Wing from Rebecca Yaros. It's number two on the bestsellers list of the combined print and ebook fiction category. Ellen Hildebrand and the Five Star Weekend. It's been out about three weeks. It's number three on the list. After a tragedy, a popular food blogger brings friends from dis- distinct times in her life to spend a weekend in Nantucket. The five-star weekend from Ellen Hildebrand. It's the number three book on the New York Times bestsellers list. That author I was just telling you, who's at number one, Colleen Hoover. Her old book, It Ends With Us, checks in at number four this week. It Ends With Us is about how a battered wife raised in a violent home attempts to halt the cycle of abuse. And it is number four. And then the last book to tell you about, it's been out 10 weeks on the New York Times bestsellers list in the combined print and ebook fiction category. Emily Henry's Happy Place, a former couple pretend to be together for the sake of their friends during their annual getaway in Maine. That's a look at your fiction list. Now, let's scoot over and tell you about what's going on in the New York Times bestsellers in the nonfiction category. Number one is Peter Atayas and Bill Gifford's Outlive, a look at a recent scientific research on aging and longevity. Outlive is the number one nonfiction New York Times bestseller. David Grand's The Wager is number two. The survivors of a shipwrecked British vessel on a secret mission during an imperial war with Spain have different accounts of events. That from David Grand, The Wager is number two. David Grand's other book, Killers of the Flower Moon, comes in at number three. I'd say David Grand is doing pretty darn good. He's having a grand time. Killers of the Flower Moon's been out just over a year and a half. The story of a murder spree in 1920s Oklahoma that targeted Osage Indians whose land contained oil. That's the subject of Killers of the Flower Moon, one of the top nonfiction reads right now on the New York Times list. Bessel van der Kolk's The Body Keeps the Score comes in at number four. How Trauma Affects the Body and Mind and Innovative Treatments for Recovery. And then the number five book on the list. It's been out just nearly a year on the New York Times nonfiction bestsellers. It's I'm Glad My Mom Died by Jeanette McCurdy. This is how the actress and filmmaker describes her eating disorders and difficult relationship with her mother. Jeanette McCurdy, and I'm glad my mom died. 
one of your top books in the nonfiction category of the New York Times bestsellers list. Now, Amazon has their own way of tracking the top reads and more. So I want to tell you about Amazon's listing of the charts. For the most sold in the nonfiction category, it's Atomic Habits. Number two is Outlive, and then number three is Unbroken Bonds of Battle. Those are the most sold nonfiction books. The most read nonfiction books, Atomic Habits, Outlive, and then Spare is the number three Amazon read. Spare. And that is... What is Spare? That is that is a celebrity book, I know. But that's... Uh, that's Prince Harry's book. I knew, I, I knew I'd seen it. Atomic Habits from James Clear and then Peter Ataya's Outlive comes in at number two on this listing from Amazon. I've, I've trying my best to forget about Harry and Megan, but they're still showing up as again, most read, number three is Spare. Over on the Amazon listing of fiction books, the most sold fiction book is Fourth Wing. Fourth Wing is the book written by Rebecca Yaros. Fourth Wing is followed by The Covenant of Water by Abraham Verghese. And then Lessons in Chemistry by Barney, Bonnie Garmus checks in at number three on the Amazon chart for most sold fiction. And then for most read fiction in the Amazon chart, The Covenant of Water. That's an awesome book you can check out, written by Abraham Barrett Keyes, followed by the most read book, Lessons in Chemistry. And then coming in at number three, this one's been out a long time on this chart for 320 weeks. You've got Harry's Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, J.K. Rowling the Amazon chart for most read fiction book. That's a look at Amazon's top sellers. Now, they also have at Amazon.com something I really like to see, the Amazon first reads. So if you take a gander at this, they've got Whatever Happened, or I'm sorry, it's called What Never Happened, a thriller by Rachel Housel Hall. That's on the list of new reads from Amazon. Elsewhere, you have a book called To Die For, and that is by Lisa Gray and Garvin, and there's no coming back from this. The romance novel from Rebecca, Rebecca Yaros and The Likely Event is on Amazon's first reads. The historical fiction Sing, Wild Bird Sing from Jacqueline O'Mahony comes in on this list. The short help short self-help category from Kevin Hart it will all work out except when it doesn't Kevin Hart how about that getting into book writing and he's on the Amazon first reads list Charlie Holmberg's and the hanging cities on here in the fantasy category for the historical crime category Sarah DeVillo's Broadway butterfly and also want to let you know about on the Amazon first reads list they've got the way life should be from William Dameron and Zira Narib Zabi's Batu and the Search for the Golden Cup. Some of Amazon first reads here in our book spotlight of the day on the Y'all Show. So get you a good read for that beach chair or if you're going to be hanging out on the boat at the lake this weekend, those are some awesome options for you to consider and make your summer go by a little quicker and it'll make you feel a little smarter. <laughs> We will take a little time out on y'all. When we come back, we're going to keep on trucking. 
with an entertainment report. Brad Pitt in the news. We've got some country music news and notes to tell you about. We've got news on the Eagles. All that coming up on y'all. the other day from the Instagram account Eagles say it ain't so we're back here on the y'all show John Rawl and an entertainment report yes the band the Eagles and their social media post from the end of last week said quote the Eagles have had a miraculous 52 year odyssey performing for people all over the globe keeping the music alive in the face of tragic losses upheavals and setbacks of many kinds Credit and thanks goes to our longtime management team, our dedicated road crew, and our exceptional backup musicians for providing skilled and steadfast support throughout these many years. We know now how fortunate we are, and we are truly grateful. Our long run has lasted far longer than any of us ever dreamed, but everything has its time, and the time has come for us to close the circle. The official farewell tour is currently in the planning stages, We want to give all our fans a chance to see us on this final round. So scheduling information will be released as dates are set. The difficulties of booking venues for multiple rights or nights may require us to return to certain cities depending on demand. But we hope to see as many of you as we can before we finish up. Most importantly, we thank you from the bottom of our hearts for embracing this band and its music. At the end of the day, you are the reason we have been able to carry on for over five decades. This is our swan song, but the music goes on and on 
with love and gratitude, the Eagles. Now, let me tell you some information about the Eagles' The Long Goodbye Final Tour with special guest Steely Dan. They've announced a couple of dates, so let me tell you what these dates are as of right now. And you can go follow the Eagles on social media to kind of keep up with any revisions to this schedule and more. But their first date is September 7th in New York, New York, followed by September 11th in Boston. September 16th, they'll be back in the New York area playing at Newark. They'll be at Belmont Park, New York on September 20th. Denver, Colorado with this tour on October 5th. Then Indianapolis, October 9th. Detroit, October 13th. Cleveland, Ohio, October 17th. They'll be in Atlanta, November 2nd. Charlotte, November 7th. They'll be in Raleigh, North Carolina on the 9th of November They'll be in Lexington, Kentucky, November 14th, and then St. Paul, Minnesota on the 17th of November. Those are the only dates that I see thus far. Again, launching September 7th in New York City, concluding November 17th in St. Paul. The lineup for the final tour is Don Henley, Joe Walsh, and Timothy B. Schmidt with Vince Gill and Deacon Fry also on stage. Tickets for this tour go on sale Friday, July 14th at 10 o'clock local time. For the Eagles, the long goodbye final tour. And that's tough to see this band calling it quits. They've had divisions. We all know that. They've had civil wars between the band. But it's great that they were able to come together. Remember, it was a country music album come together. I think, I think that's what it's called. Common Thread. No, it's called Common Thread. It's the one that Travis Tritt was part of. And his song, Take It Easy, that had the Eagles coming in on that music video. It was awesome. 1993. And that helped bring the Eagles together back in the 90s. And here, it looks like they're saying goodbye. Bringing in an old friend in Vince Gill. The Okie. You got Glenn Fry, the great, talented late member of that group Glenn Fry that uh, I guess he's the only one that passed away such a huge part of the, the band and Don Henley the Texas kid with that incredible voice and style the Eagles saying goodbye maybe you can see them soon before 2023 comes to an end those southern dates again November 2nd the Eagles will be in Atlanta I don't know if it's going to be at Mercedes-Benz Stadium or Somewhere, some other huge venue in Atlanta. I would assume it might be at the big stadium. Charlotte, I'm assuming it will be there at Bank of America Stadium. I hope so. Raleigh, November 9th, and then Lexington, Kentucky, November 14th. Go see the incredible hit makers, the Eagles, one more time. Elsewhere in our news headlines, or rather entertainment headlines, it seemed like this could be a news story. Brad Pitt making headlines for not exactly the the best of reasons as Brad Pitt is being accused in this store that I'm pulling up here he's being accused in a legal dispute over a French estate as they're saying there that he's looting accused of looting 
Chateau Merival's assets in a new legal filing in good old France. A new court filing says that Angelina Jolie, Brad Pitt's former wife, her former investment company, Nouvelle, is now accusing Brad Pitt and co-conspirators of attempting to retain control of Chateau Maraval by stripping and looting its assets. Nouvelle is seeking at least $350 million in damages. All this in a dispute over a French estate and winery that Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie once owned together. The statement from the law offices filed says that Brad Pitt wasted the company's assets, spending millions on vanity projects, including more than a million dollars on swimming pool renovations, building and renovation of a staircase four different times, and spent millions to restore a recording studio. Well, the guy's rich. I guess he could do whatever he wants to. But all this over their vanity line and more. The couple purchased the country estate and winery in the south of France back in 2008. And they've had a ugly last couple of years as they filed for divorce back in 2016. They were declared legally single in 2019, but a shared custody arrangement of their minor children not yet finalized, according to reports. But Brad Pitt a looter, at least that's what he's been alleged to have been. Now, looter, I'm not sure of, but an Okie, yeah, I am sure of. William Bradley Pitt, born in Shawnee, Oklahoma, December 18th of 1963. He's 59 years young, and he went on to college at the University of Missouri. He was raised a Southern Baptist and letter uh, switched up from being a Southern Baptist, you could say, but... Uh, Brad Pitt, who grew up some in Springfield, Missouri, being called a looter, at least over in France. Brad, we'll come to your defense on this one. Ain't nobody going to call in France, one of our own southern folks, a looter and get away with it. You can call him a hooter because he might go to hooters, but he ain't no looter. Another ugly legal battle to tell you about. This involves... The estate of Aretha Franklin, a battle over her estate, is ongoing. And this week, a probate court trial involving three of her four sons began after Aretha failed to leave behind a typed estate plan. She died in 2018 at the age of 76. So her sons, which include Kika Franklin and Edward Franklin, are in the court fighting this week over wills and such. So an ugly family battle there for Aretha Franklin's children. That's why you should, if you can, get out there and see a lawyer sometime in your later years and get all this stuff squared away so your kids don't have to go fight each other in times like this. They might not, The kids might not have been able to get along that well prior to a death but especially now that someone's the, the, the matriarch in this case of Aretha Franklin she's gone and there's nobody really to speak for her for goodness sakes Jamie Foxx has been celebrating summer as he's been spotted publicly for the first time since he was hospitalized he's had a really scary last couple of months as he was seen boating on the Chicago River Sunday afternoon looking healthy as he was smiling and raving, waving to supporters 
as a group of boaters were cheering on him right in downtown Chicago. I love that area of Chicago where the river goes through, and it's just pretty cool with all the big tall buildings on both sides, and then that kind of sneaks out over to Navy Pier area and gets into the Lake Michigan area, the Chicago River. But Jamie Foxx tweeted a plug for his bourbon and wrote, Boat Life Celebrating Summer with Brown Sugar Bourbon. Stay blessed. All right. Didn't realize he had his own bourbon, but that might have been why he was hanging out in downtown Chicago. And congratulations to the Terrell, Texas native, Jamie Foxx, for getting beyond his awful last couple of months. He really has been put through the ringer from a health standpoint. We started this segment telling you about a venerable band in and the Eagles and how awesome the Eagles have been for 50 years. Well, how about Exile celebrating their 60th anniversary and they're not quite ready to hang it up. The country band that's got members like Sonny LaMare in it have been touring. I've seen them on the Grand Ole Opry a couple times. In fact, they want to get on the Opry like permanently from what I've been able to see. Sonny LaMare is joined by Steve Getzman, Les Taylor, J.P. Pennington and others. Exiles had 11 number one hits to their credit. Their biggest song was the crossover hit from the 70s, Kiss You All Over. Happy Gilmore, are you listening? Yes, but according to a story out at CMT.com, one of the biggest dreams that the Lexington, Kentucky bass band has yet to realize in 60 years of performing, Exile wants to be a member of the Grand Ole Opry. They consider playing the Opry among the band's biggest highlights, and we want to see if they can't make that happen. Grand Ole Opry, if you're listening, pay up. Pay, pay attention down to Exile, because they didn't just have that crossover huge song of the 70s and Kiss You All Over. In country music, they have had, had songs like The Closer You Get and Take Me Down. Or, I'm sorry, Alabama took those songs to the top of the chart, but Exile... I know had a bunch of hit songs throughout the 1980s. And we wish them all the best. Again, celebrating 60 years. I'm going to have to maybe pull up some Exile music for you before we get out of here today. Because they're one of my favorite bands. I had a chance to see them play down in Mississippi on the uh, at the casino in Biloxi. And it wasn't in the casino, y'all. Don't, don't. This was a private event they got hired to come and perform in. And it was played out on the patio of the Beau Rivage. Exile's huge country music hits include Woke Up in Love, I Don't Want to Be a Memory, Give Me One More Chance, Crazy for Your Love, She's a Miracle, Hang On to Your Heart, I Could Get Used to You, It'll Be Me, She's Too Good to Be True, and I Can't Get Close Enough. Their last couple of big songs in the early 90s were Nobody's Talking, that's an awesome song, and yet was their last top 10 song out at the end of 1990. Exile! Happy 60th birthday to this country music band. And lastly, in our entertainment report for the day, Tracy Chapman. Remember Tracy Chapman? Who had that 1988 song called Fast Car? Well, guess what? Country music singer Luke Combs has covered Tracy Chapman's 88 hit and has taken it all the way to the top of the country music charts. In fact, 
she Tracy Chapman is the first black woman to reach number one on the chart as a songwriter on the country music chart as a result of this song Fast Car from Luke Comb and I had already forgotten that song I, I, I remember Tracy Chapman the artist but I just had not realized that Luke Combs cover was her song that shows you how, <laughs> how out of touch I am evidently but Luke Combs Fast Car it's his 16th number one and it gives Tracy Chapman songwriting credit for a number one country song. I think she was totally stunned that a song that she wrote 25 years after she wrote it would be, no, 35 years. Is that right? Yeah, it's been 35 years since that song was number one for her on the pop chart or whatever she had it out on. And now getting a chance to be Recognized as one heck of a song all these years later. Congratulations. That is a look at some of the entertainment headlines of the day here on this Tuesday Y'all Show. We'll come back and wrap this hour up on the show that shakes the Southland. We are the Y'all Show. That concludes Hour 2 of the Y'all Show. Why don't you stick around? We've got the Takapola storyteller, Jerry Short, set to join us in Hour 3. That plus all the other headlines and more fun of the show that shakes the South. Coming up, we're the Y'all Show. everybody to y'all where we discuss what's going on across the south here on this tuesday i'm john raw the general of the south and it is great to be back with you for all my fellow south rons as we get to a little south in your mouth each time we get together coming up this hour we've got our headlines of what's going on across dixie we also have our friend jerry short the takapola storyteller dropping by And ain't no telling what he's going to be talking about. That's why you'll want to make sure you stay tuned for his report coming up in just a few minutes. We also have, before we get out of here today, a look at Southern Sports. As we've got funeral arrangements now set for a former Tennessee Vol who went on to be a great in women's college basketball coaching. We'll tell you about that. Also, we'll let you know about the Major League Baseball All-Star Game, which is taking place on this Tuesday out in Seattle. All that is part of our Southern Sports Report that we'll be sharing before we say goodbye here on the Y'all Show. Hope y'all are doing well. If you want to get involved with the Y'all Show, the text line, which is available 24 hours a day, is 615-208-4184. 615-208-4184. If you would like to reach us on our email address, that would be mail, M-A-I-L, mail, at y a l l 
Y'all.com. Mail y'all.com. And if you've got something positive, negative, indifferent, any of those options, hey, we're we're big boys here and big girls. We'll be happy to take your feedback here at the Y'all Show. Just send us that email. And then you can always go to our website. We are powered here at the Y'all Show by the Ultimate Guide to the South, the South's homepage, y'all.com. Go there and find out great stories and great conversations about Dixie at y'all.com. So please, please jump on board with our little crusade of promoting the Southeast because we do something nobody else does. We lift the South up. We tell you about the stories. We tell you about the culture. We tell you about the history. We tell you about the food. We tell you about all the good people of the South. Yeah, we tell you about the scars, too. We, we are not perfect. We are not a perfect place. But we're pretty good. We're pretty good folks here. And that's what we do here on the Y'all Show is try to promote this region, the land of y'all. And we, we're going to be doing it in a big way with Jerry Short, our Takapola storyteller. He's coming up in just a few minutes here on the program. So with that in mind, I better jump into some of the news headlines before Jerry boots me. So let's tell you about what's going on nationwide today. First of all, Joe Biden is currently in Lithuania, this Eastern Bloc country that's now part of NATO. As in Lithuania, they are holding uh, a little international convention of NATO members. And all of the key NATO countries are part of this summit taking place in Lithuania. Lithuania, if you're not familiar on the map, is sandwiched between Poland and Russia. It's one of those Baltic states. Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania are those three little countries nestled in up there. Northeast of Poland, not far from what was once a a, a thriving little German place. All that was part of like uh, Prussia at one time. But uh, it's now called um, Kaliningrad, which is a Russian exclave on the Baltic Sea. I would like to see Russia have to give that back. The way they've treated Ukraine, I'd like to see the world come together and say, y'all don't deserve Kaliningrad anymore. We're going to make it the old name, which was in Germany. Was that Königsberg? That's going way back, y'all. That's going way back in my history. (laughs) Königsberg, with a little umlaut over the O, was the name of that uh, wonderful town in, in Germany prior to World War II. And then my goodness, it was the scene of an awful World War II battle that essentially destroyed the town. And then because it was over there on the eastern flank, it got carved out of Germany and put into the Soviet Union. Königsberg, now known as Kaliningrad. Am I boring you? I, I think I just might be. All right, so let's go back to talking about the South here, the South of America, not the South of Europe uh, or the Baltic states. So you got Biden over there. He was in Great Britain on his way to Lithuania Monday, meeting with the King Charles III and others in the UK's administration. Today, he's over there. Today, former President Donald Trump's going to be paying attention to what's going on in Atlanta, Georgia, as a grand jury is today being seated there to consider whether criminal charges are appropriate for the former president or any of his Republican allies 
as they're looking at maybe criminal charges in their effort in 2020 to overturn the 2020 election loss in the state of Georgia. The DA in Fulton County is Fonnie Willis, who's been investigating for several years now. I think it's been a two-and-a-half-year investigation that has looked into the role of fake electors, phone calls by Trump and others to Georgia officials in the weeks after the 2020 presidential election. And most of this case involves that phone call that Trump made to Brad Raffensperger, the head of Georgia's elections, where Trump said, I just want to find 11,780 votes, which is just enough to beat Joe Biden. Well, they didn't find that. And I don't know if they're ever going to find it. But what Trump is finding himself in more hot water. And that's the case today as this grand jury being seated. And I fully expect them to press forward with criminal charges. Until Trump is in bars behind jail and completely is cut off from ever having elected office again, there will be powers that will do everything in their power and their own power to stop Trump. Get Trump. Get him. Get him out of here. That's what they're working on. And they just might be successful. To Clemson University in the state of South Carolina, and kudos to Clemson as the university has announced plans to ban TikTok on all of its campus networks. The university distributed a campus-wide message just last week regarding this week's network access change. According to Clemson University officials, the Chinese-owned TikTok will no longer be accessible through the campus network, both wired and what's called EduRoam Wi-Fi. And that started on Monday. According to the statement, this is in order to, quote, help with the integrity of information and resources connected to the Clemson network. Faculty, staff, students, and visitors with personal devices can still get on TikTok through their private carrier data networks. So more, no more TikToking all you Clemson students. And I got two nieces there right now. So girls, and they're twins, girls, no TikToking. No TikToking. You're going to have to get back to studying instead of TikToking. And frankly, one of them, one of them is a little bit more outs, but they're, they're both 19, I guess, turning 20. And I'm sure they have TikTok. But I don't think either one of them really this is terrible to say i shouldn't say it i i I don't think they're quite like the average 19 year old out there where they have to constantly take pictures of themselves one of them i know doesn't the other one she's a little bit she actually wants to go in this business so be warned there may be another raw coming down the pike here in a few years and i'm sure she would do far better than i have um but her sister's pretty good at whatever she's doing, and uh, neither one of them are totally caught up in uh, social media that I'm aware of. Maybe they've got completely separate accounts that I don't know of, and they're TikToking away. Maybe that's why I don't see them. I'm not on TikTok. Maybe that's why I don't really keep up with them, because they're not on my same social media platform, which I'm on Instagram, in case you're wondering. But I don't really, I'm not really looking to get 50 million followers. I, I could care less. I'm looking to essentially stay connected to others TikTok, in my opinion is nothing but people trying to be comedians and trying to get viral on that stuff which i guess it works pretty well maybe i'm just a hater 
But Clemson, I'm proud of you. This is a good move. I don't know if this is a common move with colleges kicking off of uh, kicking TikTok off their campus, but it sure happened there in Tiger Paul country. So in addition to winning championships, they're winning the championship of banning TikTok there at Clemson University. And lastly, are you ready for a Hallmark movie? You might just need to get ready because there's going to be not only a Hallmark movie coming up soon, but it's a Hallmark Christmas movie. Oh, like we don't have enough to choose from. With less than six months until the big holiday, Hallmark is already counting down. The Hallmark Movie Channel and Biltmore have shared a new teaser trailer for a Biltmore Christmas and that's going to air that movie in November. The movie incorporates Biltmore Estates history. It features a love story that takes place across multiple time periods. And that movie stars Bethany Joy Lenz and Christopher Polala. A Biltmore Christmas. Coming soon, not to a theater, but to a TV set near you. All because of Hallmark and their movie, A Biltmore Christmas. And Biltmore State, the largest private mansion in all of the good old USA, as it is right now measuring in at 178,926 square feet. That's pretty big. I'd hate to have to vacuum that place. This was built by the family and built for George Washington Vanderbilt II, built back in the early, or rather, late 1800s 1889 to 1895 this thing was finished in 1895 Biltmore Estate just outside of Asheville North Carolina and there in the very very near future you can get your own Biltmore Christmas on the Hallmark Channel I just can't wait to get my popcorn out for that one that will wrap up our news headlines here for this final hour of our Tuesday Y'all Show when we come back our friend Jerry Short is going to be joining us. Jerry is the Takapola storyteller, and he's got something fun to talk about, and I can't wait to hear what exactly that is. And that conversation is coming up next on Y'all. Don't forget, you can text us, 615-208-4184. We'll be right back, y'all. show tuesday edition continues john rawl now joined by the takapola storyteller that's what we call jerry short when he drops by and shares his story from yesteryear and sometimes even what's going on in today's world jerry hope you're doing well we're nearly halfway through the month of july well we're making it pretty good if we can make it through july and you're looking at august and doggone it it's time to Get your Go Christmas. out pick, pick cotton. Or pick cotton or get your Christmas gifts, Bob. Yeah, well, we're happy early cotton season. There you too. go. It's almost here. Yeah, cotton picking. They, they got a late start this year, I understand. Uh, did they? Yeah, they did. The ground wasn't right. 
in a temperature one right in the ground. So it's, it's going to be running a little late. Well, we've had in the, in the south the last couple of weeks dramatic heat. How mm-hmm. much is heat a player in cotton well, growing? It's, it's, well, it really is good when it's on up. If it was where it was supposed to be right now, I'd say it's a good foot short of where it normally is or maybe a foot and a half or two. But uh, the ground was too wet. We got so much rain in January and February, uh-huh. and it was uh, it was real uh, had some cool nights, and we didn't have any real hot weather. So they got a late start planting. I was worried about it for a while. I was wondering if it's even going to make a crop. But they got it going, and it looks good. And but it's going to be a little bit of late picking time. Our cotton expert, Jerry Short, who I think you've actually picked cotton before. My, my mother made me a cotton sack. She really did. Uh, when I was just sweet. about five or six years old. I don't know if she was trying to impress my daddy or what, but it was, uh, I would get in the rows with the rest of the workers on the farm. and But I didn't pick 500 pounds. I didn't pick 400 pounds. I might not have picked 20 pounds, but I would get all I could get in that little sack. And I would go to the wagon, and I'd dump it in the wagon. And then I would go to the gin with it, and we would gin the heck out of it. And they're getting ready to put a high-rise hotel where I used to gin my cotton and hope that I didn't get sucked in with that uh, when they were sucking that cotton out of the back <laughs> of that wagon. How about that? <laughs> hey, I know you grew up in a small town in the south that cotton was certainly a big part of the lifestyle there. I didn't realize this until I was talking to somebody, an, an old has-been about no, your age. No. Not you, though. It was somebody no, no, else. No, no. It was somebody else born in the in the 40s like you were. Yeah. And the town that I live in, which you know where that is, yeah. population now currently about 100,000 plus in Ooh, that, in that yeah. area. But they told me even in that town, which was a, was a pretty big town in the 1950s and 60s compared to where you grew up, for yeah. sure. Uh-huh. They told me they got out a whole week of school. There. Yeah, we did too. But in a small, in a big town, in a city. Yeah, big town, everybody. City did. schools yeah, got a, out. It was a southern way of life. I didn't know that. Yeah, because everybody back then there were so many forty-acre farms. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody didn't have like a thousand acres. You might have a forty-acre farm, and you might have eight children. That's the reason the families were so big, because it gave you more boys that could pick cotton or whatever. So they would turn school completely out. In, and we're talking uh, in September. We're talking in September and October. I mean, we would pick cotton up past Christmas up into January because we wouldn't have enough to do it on some farms. You know, I just have that one family and that one hand-picking cotton. We didn't have a... Uh, back when I was a kid, they had one-row cotton pickers. Then they got two-row cotton pickers. Then they finally got four rows, and then now I think they can get 16 rows at one time. Well, I grew up in a non-cotton-producing part of the South. Whew. Lucky, your, your soil is Lucky not, me. Con- we, we did other types of farms. I didn't think your soil was conducive to cotton because it, it really wasn't. As sand, it was, it's sandy, but it's not sandy loam enough, I don't think, for a good cotton base. And you're almost subtropical. Mm-hmm. You're not, but you're close. I'm not sure. One thing we don't have, and I came through Georgia the other day, Jerry, and they were working on some kind of construction project east of Atlanta. Uh-huh. And my God, the, the the dirt they were digging was completely orange. I saw that. It looks like they're putting a factory there. I don't. I mean, this was the highway department. Out yeah, in the middle it was of the on city. the side of the road where they were digging. And you're talking about and they were dumping it off on the highway. It, it, the point is that that clay in, in certain yeah. parts of Georgia, yeah. for sure, is dark orange. I mean, yeah. it looks like Texas Longhorn orange. It's so. Yeah. Orange, That's the reason clay. all land is not conducive to the same crop. 
I mean, you know. I didn't I know, grow up in that kind of. Climate. I know where you're from. Yeah. You know, it's I'm truck from the crop. south, baby. Yeah, you're. It's more truck crop farm stuff that y'all can probably grow a little bit of everything, which we can mostly. We can't grow sugar cane. I don't know about y'all. We can grow cane. We can grow sagum. My great uncle grew. We sugar, grew a lot of sagum. Sugar cane. It wasn't sagum. I think it was sagum sugar molasses. Because one time it was one of my worst memories of childhood. My great uncle, who was not a nice person, by the way, <laughs> his nickname was Mean Uncle Gene. Oh, Mean Gene? And, and, and you know, you thought you sound like a wrestler. You you get mad about your family inheritance. Yeah. He and his wife did not have any children, and they lived on some very valuable property. And upon their deaths, they left their very valuable property to a teenage boy that lived across the road from him, who was not kin to them at all. He's man gone on to sell that land. It's now a Dollar General. I've been trying to be a teenage boy then here some all my life, and you're telling me about this? Yep, this guy kind of got a gift, I would say. Oh, big and, time. And, and this great uncle had nephews and even a sister that lived right beside him. And I'm, it wasn't even my, my direct family. It was my great aunt that was still alive when he passed away, and then his, his, his widow was still alive. But they had nephews and nieces right there beside them that kind of helped take care of them. But they ended up leaving this to some literally some neighbor that was a teenage kid mm. i don't understand it you see after the depression land wasn't very valuable and i bought land for international paper company and when I, we bought it on the bare land all we would put was forty dollars per acre on bare land rest of it had to be on merchandised timber and uh i was checking the court i don't know out. what you're talking about Merch- anyway, what is merchandise something thing? that you could make a log or a paper or something out of don't get all it, fancy here with us okay it had to <laughs> it had to be something usable and uh i was checking a courthouse in utah alabama not utah utah state but I, which is, is green utah county. or utah utah alabama's green E-U-T-A-W. county uh-huh. named which, after the revolutionary right. war battle in absolutely south carolina. which is just south of tuscaloosa and between Tuscaloosa and Monroe. Is that Green County? That's Green County. They had a, a dog racetrack there that uh, uh, Bear Bryant's son, as a matter of fact, owned. But I was in the courthouse checking, and every time I would look at something, it would say, Bear Bryant, Bear Bryant. And I got to look at how many acres he had. And finally I asked the, uh, the uh, tax assessor, how many acres is uh, Bear Bryant Jr. owned in green county she said twenty six thousand and i said do what why she said well that one worth forty dollars an acre and they the alabama fans would tell bear bryant hey if you beat old miss lsu or tennessee i'll give you a 40 i'll give you 80 or i'll give you a hundred all that land was given to bear bryant for winning football games Man, I, I, there's a guy i know that i think pulled off the same stunt with another sec school who would that be i don't know Anyway, I I think I lost eight acres, but I don't think I gained anything. But any but anyway, what an uh, idiot! I know, but, but but timber really well. You know, land wasn't worth a lot back in those days. You know, on the farms, I used to buy land up north, and when I'd go up north, uh, it would usually be somebody that had migrated to the north, and uh, they had worked really hard, and somebody would give them forty acres for a good year as a sharecropper maybe and they'd give them 40 acres well i'd go up there and buy the 40 acres but at the time the land might have been worth 25 dollars acre or 20 dollars acre time as i bought it for this t- 
timber company, the land may have been worth a uh, thousand an acre. So they inherited a pretty good bit for a sharecropping day. They went to about it'd usually be a family that you had to break down, and it might be sixty people heirs to that uh, inheritance, and you'd have to go. I'd have to go to Chicago and clear it up and and pay for the and get the land for international paper. But uh, I know we had a, we had seven million acres of land the company did in uh, the southeast, all the way from Georgetown, South Carolina to Longview, Texas. And and that's seven thousand acres of land. Seven, we, seven million. Seven million, pardon me. The seven million acres of land, all we had per acre in it was something like fifty dollars. So they bought so much of it in the forties and stuff like that that they didn't have any money in the land. And but they had seven million acres. And they sold it. And we got into a deacquisition program and got rid of most all the land because they used to use it as a kind of like You'd have money in the bank in a savings account, and they kept it on. They kept the timber land as a kind of a in case they got, couldn't buy any or run out or something. And it got to the point that the government had given uh, farmers so much free uh, land to plant. They didn't give them the free land. That program. But they gave them the program, the CRP program, yeah, CRP. which they paid so much per acre. You know, they did it, and it was it became so many trees that were merchantable or usable the timber companies didn't need the land as a as a land base to keep them going so they sold it all off and they sold it off pretty doggone cheap and and, and you know they might have sold it for a thousand an acre but whoever they sold it to turned around and sold it for two thousand an acre because yeah. the timber companies they just wanted to get rid of it and they didn't have any money in it they probably already cut two or three rotations of timber off of it since the 30s and 40s and that's when they started buying. So uh, it, it, uh, that's kind of how it was with land. So I know We're talking to the land man. This is Jerry Short, <clears throat> our guest. He is the Takapola storyteller, as we have him on Tuesdays to talk about, well, no telling what we're going to talk about, as it usually goes, the conversation on the Y'all Show. And if you've got a question or comment for Jerry Short, we welcome those here at the Y'all Show. You can... Text us anytime your heart desires. Our text line is open at 615-208-4184. 615-208-4184. So I'm, I'm gonna I'm still kind of mesmerized by this whole people like you getting out of school to go pick cotton. Oh yeah. You had a a, a father that had cows. Had cows and cotton. Oh, you had everything. you did have cotton. No, I mean he had 640 acres, and it all wasn't in cattle. He had a hundred head of rested Herefords, uh, short horn Hereford cattle, and uh, but he also grew cotton, hay, and corn, and whatever else you'd grow on the farm. It wouldn't be truck farms like you had, but it would be uh, might be a hundred acres of corn somewhere. So y'all corn would feed the cows. Y'all would start school back in those days. What what time? What we would start. We get you know the first two or three years I went to school. I went to a one room school. Uh, I'm not talking about that. Let's let's well, go to like your older. Okay. Years. Well, they got out. The whole school did. That whole school would get out, and uh, usually you would go to school probably uh, if you went to school in September because you didn't start picking cotton then because you, you didn't. So get, you didn't go start your school year till September. No, but they take off usually about October, November, and. Uh, if uh, your parents really needed you and they didn't care about school as much back in those days, in the 50s, they would 
keep you another month. No so, wonder Mississippi was dead last in education. Well, I think they did that in other states too. But anyway, that's how it was done, and that and that was okay with me, uh, except you know when I was younger. But when, I, when my daddy got to expecting me to really pick cotton, now he put me uh, in charge usually of some of the crew that worked. You know, like who? Well, we we had to put, you had to hold the cotton first. You know, and. Uh, I used to tell people while I was in the Army, they'd say, you grew up on a farm in Mississippi, then you a plantation. That's the way everybody always visualized the South. Modern day Everybody had a big plantation home and a big plantation full of people working, you know. And I said, yeah. And my daddy would put me in charge of about 40 whores. And uh, I, they would say, what? And I would say, yeah, I'm in charge of about 40 whores. And, and they'd look at me and I'd say, I'm talking about choppers, cotton choppers. You got to hoe the cotton with a hoe, you know, a handheld hoe. Oh yeah. And so I'd, I'd call them hoe. I said, "You whores, get that lane over there. You ain't cut around that cotton stalk." So you had to cut all the grass around the cotton to release, you know, just like releasing it, and where it wouldn't be as much in the, in the ground, and it wouldn't be take up as much water from the rain. And so that was the first thing you had to do. And, you know, we didn't have all the chemical stuff you had back then to put out. So you had to do that. And then later on, when the cotton was on up and you had the boll weevils were eating you up, you had to spray it, you know, then. But we didn't. How you know, did you spray it? Well, you know, big farms, it had like a commercial farm or something. Now, they'd use air, airplanes. They'd use airplanes and they'd spray the whole thing. A lot of times those pilots, I've known of a good many of them, they would get killed. They'd usually put somebody at the end of the maybe the in the Mississippi Delta, it might be a quarter of a mile or a half a mile uh, a row of cotton. And, they'd put, and then it'd be a timber line at the far end. And they'd put somebody down there with a flag, the flag for the pilot. They might not pull up in time and hit the top of the trees. Mm. So I've known of two or three or four, you know. You know, one really uncommon yeah. to hear of a guy getting killed. But for us, you know, our crop, we couldn't, you know, we didn't have enough people and enough, so we might extend on into the winter, you know, picking cotton, even until it got muddy almost. And then you wanted to keep your cotton clean, and you wanted to, you know, to get it to market. So you didn't want it to get dirty. You know, Daddy would get all over you if you got that cotton dirty, if it fell in the mud or something like, like that, which it could in the winter time. It usually didn't rain much in the early, you know, part of the uh, of the of the uh, fall, but later on that winter it would get pretty muddy. So, you know, we stayed out of school. And then uh, sometime for planting season, they would uh, knock out of school a week, maybe. maybe. What is you that? Know, we, we would plant later because we got to crop in later. So we, or, oh, instead of planting in, in uh, uh, March, we might plant in April, you know, the end of April. So uh, that gives you even a later time for the cotton to grow off and be ready to pick again. So you know, it was just kind of like, uh, hey, this year it's going to be, uh, it's going to be November. Next year it's going to be October. Next year it's going to be might be December, and then you might not get through picking. You know, you'd be out there scraping. You'd go have to go over it a couple of times. Like in the middle of July, what yeah. would you have had to? Have well, done? July nothing is growing. You just leave it alone. You know, we got other things to do on the farm in July. Like what? Like what? Like feed the cows. Like make sure. <laughs> like build a fence. Like cut hay. You know, I'm usually cutting hay. Not play hay, video games. I'm putting though. hay on. No, I'm putting hay in the barn. I'm doing stuff like that. Or we might have a, a you know, just just 
anything that you would do on the farm that uh, you could get get it need done. But you didn't fool with cotton until cotton season. And cotton season, it was growing, and you didn't need a man standing beside it saying, hey, grow, 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 grow. And it took care of itself. Cotton is a big part of the South. It always has been. That's why they call it the land of cotton. And for our cotton farmers out there, which, honestly, I don't think there's really that many out there compared to what it used to be. No, I'm telling you how it's gotten my... Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. My granddaughter has a boyfriend that they have 4,000 acres of cotton in the Mississippi Delta. And instead of him going to agriculture uh, school and get a degree in agriculture, he's getting a degree as an engineer because there's so much work to be done on equipment this day and time. Everything's by equipment. So you really need an engineer instead of somebody that, you know, they learn enough on their own growing up. Mm-hmm. You don't have to learn all that stuff at college. And there are agricultural mechanization careers out oh, there. Oh, sure. And programs you can study. I know sure. a brother that is a, is a genius at that. My dad's pretty good at coming yeah. up with all kind of devices. Yeah, that's what you have to do now. I mean, it's turned into that. If you And I know y'all are a big farm like that. In a big farm. They know y'all. It's just my family, well, and then there's me. Well, we like I'm, to use I'm y'all. y'all in a different kind of way. Yeah, yeah. But anyway. The non-agrarian is me. Well, I'm y'all in a zero way, but still, you know, it's it's uh, now they they do. My my granddaughter told me the other day. I said, "How come your boyfriend is not going to Ole Miss with you?" And Mississippi State has the best engineering school in Mississippi, so he's going to Mississippi State. Oh, that's a problem. I know. So. That should break them up. I don't, hopefully not, but it should. Oh, it probably will. Probably will. It always does. So. And then they'll yeah. come back together one day yeah. and they say, oh, this college stuff's but silly. she's going anyway. to Ole Miss, period. And she might leave there to go to Starkville. You know, no, no, I won't back yeah. that up. Oh, yeah. it could happen. Love can make you do crazy <laughs> things, Jerry Short. Yeah, I know. Yes, Jerry I Short. We've talked about love. We've talked about cotton here on this installment of the Taka Polo Storyteller. Again, it is the dog days of summer. And for you in cotton country, get ready because those, co- I mean, just the other day, this has happened many times, but I'm, I'm just sitting here thinking, I really had to be paying attention because I nearly got run off the road by a big old cotton-related machine out there on the highway. Yeah, They, they are massive these days. They hit, like I told you a while ago, they probably gone to a 16-row picker where it was a one-row well, picker. Well, why would it be out on the highway in July? Well, they got to move it, and you, okay. you know, <clears throat> you got to move it from farm to farm. But now we're in the Mississippi Delta, you know, it's just a way of life, so they expect that, you yeah, know. So. I don't know. I don't I don't know. And one thing, just like, mm, was it Tom T. Hall? The song, I Never Picked Cotton. No, that was Roy Clark. Roy, Roy Clark, Clark sang that think, one. Yeah. I Never Picked Cotton. I still haven't picked you cotton. You still in? No. We need to take you out. We should. We should. See if I can find my old sack. Yeah. Now, I'm going to tell you when those bowls My mom over, picked cotton. Who did? My mother. Did she tell you how much it hurt those fingers? Oh, I'm sure she did. It eat those fingers up when them bowls open up. Mm-hmm. It's just like just like needles, man. And uh, you better put some gloves on. Because mm-hmm. when you reach in there to get that dang cotton that's bowled out, and you reach and you hit those dang bowl that opened up, hey, you'll bleed. Your fingers will bleed if you don't you sure have you're not making on. this stuff up? I am not making a thing up. I am <laughs> telling it like an old cotton guy would tell it the from 1850. The old cotton picker, Jerry yeah. Short, here on... The show that's, man, you're not going to find this conversation anywhere in America, frankly. And that's no. why we're happy to have Jerry on. We will continue on with more of this edition of the Y'all Show. Stay tuned. Jerry, thank you for the report.
And we'll, oh, man, yeah. we'll see you back here next week. Anytime. All right. More of the Y'all Show is coming <laughs> right up. Mama, I found someone Like you said would come along He's a sad, so unlike any man I've known I was afraid to let him in Cause I'm not the trusting kind now I'm convinced that he's heaven sent and must be out of his mind. Mama, he's crazy, crazy over me. In my life is where he says he always wants to be. I've never been so loved He beats all I've ever seen And mama, he's crazy He's crazy over me Oh, tell him about it, why, Nona? It's the Y'all Show, and we're kind of wrapping things up here on this Tuesday edition. And before we get out of here, let me tell you a little sports happenings across the southeast today. Well, first of all, it's the Midsummer Classic taking place tonight out in Seattle, Washington. It's the National versus American Leagues and the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. And that gets going at 8 Eastern, 7 o'clock Central on the Fox Network, your pitching matchup is Zach Gallen versus Garrett Cole. Again, it's the All-Star Game. Monday night, they had the home run derby, and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. of the Toronto Blue Jays totaled up about 72 dingers to win that home run competition. So a big, big night for him. And his father won that same competition several years ago. So the Guerreros, the first father-son combo to win the home run derby. 72 home runs that they knocked out or he knocked out in about 45 minutes time that's not bad y'all some news to pass along about the late Tennessee Vol who passed away last week and we now know service information coming out for Nikki McCray Pinson who died last week at the age of 51 the women's basketball hall of famer who played for Pat Summit there at UT in Knoxville she was a star player for the Collierville High School Dragons in Shelby County, Tennessee. She died again last week at the age of 51. Services for Nikki McCray Pinson will be held Saturday, July 15th at Mount Olive Baptist Church in Knoxville. A visitation is set for 1 o'clock p.m. Loved ones are asked that in lieu of flowers, donations can be made to the K. Yow Fund. K. Yow was the NC State women's basketball coach who died of cancer several years back. But arrangements now set for Nikki McCray Pinson. Now to the NFL, we'll tell you about the Jacksonville Jaguars. Josh Peterson has signed with the Jags. Who's Josh Peterson? He just happens to be the boy of head coach Doug Peterson. Yeah, he's a tight end. And he played in the USFL 
with the Houston Gamblers. I saw him play because I saw the Gamblers play the New Jersey Generals this year. And I don't remember a guy named Josh Peterson out there on the field, but yeah, he caught 200. Uh, he caught 24 passes for 325 yards playing for the Gamblers of the USFL. That's good enough to get him some kind of contract with his daddy. So look out for Josh Peterson tied in for the Jags. Maybe he'll make it to the final roster when all that gets completed here in the next couple of months. I guess we're about three weeks away from NFL players reporting to training camp. I'm excited. I am excited. We got SEC Media Days next week. In hour one today, I told you all about all the different players that will be showing up at this year's SEC Media Days. Those players, some of the big names showing up for next week in Nashville when they have Media Days on Lower Broadway. You got Jaden Daniels, LSU's quarterback. Georgia tight end Brock Bowers will be coming to Nashville representing the players. Joe Milton, the Vols quarterback. You got Quinshawn Junkins of the Mississippi Rebel Black Bear Sharks. He'll be there. And then you got uh, Spencer Rattler, the South Carolina Gamecock quarterback, who did pretty good last year, at least knocked off Tennessee and Clemson. That's a pretty good season if you're a Gamecock. Mississippi State's got Will Rogers. He's a senior leading the dogs. The Mississippi Native's going to be in Nashville when MSU's at the podium. So all of that coming up next week for SEC Media Days. If the stars align, we're going to try to be in Nashville for some of that. We're, we're working on that. Our people, David Thomas, are you listening? We're trying to get a front row seat. Speaking of college football, news overnight. Northwestern, the Wildcats have fired head coach Pat Fitzgerald. He'd been the head coach there in Evanston, Illinois for a long time. I think it's 17 years he'd been coaching there, the Wildcats, his alma mater. He's fired as the school's been looking into some hazing allegations. At, and the 48-year-old, who looks like he could still suit up for the purple and white of Northwestern, is out. Suspended, he's out as head coach. Defensive coordinator David Braun is expected to be named Northwestern's acting coach. Also, some college football news. Jalen Kitna, he's the son of John Kitna, the longtime NFL quarterback, and a former Florida quarterback, Jalen Kitna, who just the other day had charges dropped as part of a plea deal that he worked out after he got in some hot water and placed on a year of probation. The Florida former Florida Gator quarterback after these child porn charges have been dropped has entered the transfer portal and is he going to actually play for a college football team this year he apologized the other day to his family friends and people that care about him and he appeared in four games for the orange and blue last year not not a lot of play for Jalen Kitna but we wish him well as he's trying to put this ugly incident behind him as he's already reached a deal with law enforcement officials. Another former Florida quarterback, I don't think we're going to have the same headlines about this guy, Tim Tebow. He is getting into professional hockey, it looks like, as he's bringing professional hockey to Lake Tahoe. The ECHL Board of Governors has approved an expansion application for a team in Lake Tahoe that will be owned by Tim Tebow, the former Gator and Heisman Trophy winner, and a former Denver Bronco and New York Jets, and I don't know if he played. A former, I, sh- I should say, former Columbia Fireflies minor league baseball player. Also was a minor league guy for a while with 
other New York Mets teams. But Tim Tebow looks like he's going to get into owning a minor league hockey team in Lake Tahoe. I could think of far worse places to own a professional sports franchise than out there. And by the way, Lake Tahoe right now, they're getting ready to host that annual Pro-Am that will be on NBC, that golf thing that happens about this time. They have all the great players of football and basketball come together and Steph Curry's out there shooting birdies and having a good time. I said birdies. I didn't say he was shooting a bird. Um, it's just a beautiful, beautiful area. I've never seen it. I never, I've never seen Lake Tahoe in person. I've never been to Nevada, one of those bucket list places. Man, if I could just find me a a good person to go out there with me sometime, that'd be that'd be pretty neat, don't you think? Hmm. Wonder who that'd be. We're gonna wrap this show up. This is the Y'all Show. When the Y'all Show comes back, we'll say goodbye for this Tuesday. Thanks for listening. Thank you for being part of our Tuesday Y'all Show. We're going to get back here on Wednesday. Megan Hedwall will be joining me once again for all of the Southern conversation and fun that we call the Y'all Show, powered by y'all.com, the South's homepage. Y'all have a wonderful rest of your day, and thanks for listening.